Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. Praise God. Go ahead and praise Him tonight. One more time. Come on. Hallelujah. Praise our God. Praise our God. Grab your Bibles, if you would, Matthew 16. Matthew 16. I don't dare want to say I'm not going to be long tonight because then I'm going to keep you here till midnight. <laughs> My wife and I, we just flew in today from Cincinnati, Ohio. We were in Middletown and we didn't just go to Olive Garden. <laughs> We went to a mighty gathering called The Reset, The Reset 2020, a holy convocation. And we were there with Dutch Sheets, who is a, a wonderful friend and a father in our lives, a wonderful apostle. I love and honor Dutch and Cece, love them so much. And we had leaders there from, from all over the country. I know many of you jumped online and was part of that. And we, uh, I think it was around 1,600 folks there. They, they went past uh, half capacity. <laughs> and uh, for those of you that watched online, I, I, someone said, I saw two rows of people, and there was, there was like 1,600 people in the building. So I can show you videos later. But it was, um, <clears throat> it's, hard to, it's hard to explain and give words to what happened in these meetings. It was not a conference it was a call to intercede for the very heart of our nation and what is God saying, what is God declaring over our nation. <clears throat> and um, we prayed with all of our heart. We worshiped, but then we prayed and interceded with all of our heart. So <clears throat> that's why I feel and sound the way that I do tonight. <laughs> but we, um, <clears throat> we had such a mighty time. I think every one of us realizes that we are on the cusp of a mega turnaround. Now, unless you're being duped by the news and everything else and every seducing spirit out there, then you think we're going down the tank. But America is about to have the ultimate comeback. Shout it out. America shall be saved. Hallelujah. Our time in Middletown was just electrifying in the spirit. And what we were able to capture and move in the winds of God and the spirit of God was magnificent. It's hard to explain. Hard to explain. I've, um, I've never held a book in my hand this, that that actually speaks about the conference that I just returned from. This book came out in July, and there's prophetic words in this book that I hold that were pointing to the gathering I just flew home from. I'm about to read you a prophetic dream from a friend of ours, Clay Nash. Clay came into me and Brent's life back in the year, probably 1998, 1999. Clay uh, wrote this book. This is called God Dreams to Make America Great Again. 
This book is filled with prophetic dreams from Clay Nash and from other prophetic men and women throughout the country. And I'm going to read you this dream tonight from Clay and some of our intercessory team. You've already purchased this, but there's many of these back at our table. You can get this tonight. But this, this particular dream is called POTUS Request. How many of you know what POTUS means? President of the United States. <clears throat> I dreamed that Dutch Sheets and a small group of us were invited to see President Trump in the Oval Office. Upon arrival, after some small talk, Trump, very much in humility, began to thank Dutch for his leadership and the appeal to heaven prayer movement. Trump then presented Dutch with an appeal to heaven flag that he had signed. Trump then requested that Dutch organize a high-level strategic prayer task force. He told Dutch that he would be releasing directly to him significant issues for prayer. He also said that he had received this prophetic instruction from a very trusted voice, his wife, Melania. Dutch presented Trump with a white stone and read to him from the book of Revelation. And if you want to look it up, it's Revelation chapter 2. He read to him Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. He said, to him who overcomes, to him I will give of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. Trump then quoted to you, speaking to Dutch, John chapter 1, verse 6. There came a man from God whose name was John. Trump then asked if he could pray for all of us. And in his prayer, he said, Lord, let this man and these leaders convene a holy convocation that I might finish my eight years well. And the ancient markers and the ancient markers of our founding fathers be restored. Then he presented Dutch with a pager, and he said, when you see the number 222, always answer your cell phone, even though it will have no caller ID. Revelation 2.17, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. And then Clay writes in here the interpretation of the dream. In this dream, we see the highest office of authority in our nation calling upon the highest authority of the church, which is the ecclesia. That's who Dutch represented in the dream, the ecclesia. The praying church being honored by President Donald John the Beloved Trump. President Trump presenting to the ecclesia, then, then presented to the ecclesia an appeal to heaven flag with a signature representing the endorsement of national governmental authority to the ecclesia and the praying church. 
The request to form a high-level strategic prayer task force displays President Trump's understanding that he needs God's intervention to fulfill his assignment. Isn't that right? I believe he's alive because of the praying church right now. I believe he's alive because of the hand of God on his life, but also the praying church. His information of informing Dutch that he would communicate significant issues directly to him for is Dutch representing the ecclesia and the praying church. The trusted prophetic voice of his wife is a sign of the trust and the power of agreement with those in spiritual authority. The new name on the white stone speaks of him coming into the fulfillment of his relationship with God and becoming John the Beloved. How many of you know that, that Kim Clement prophesied that Donald John Trump would be baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire in his second term? The new name on the white stone speaks of him coming into fulfillment of his relationship with God and becoming John the Beloved. A man sent from God is a reference that he understands he was chosen by God as a Cyrus to this nation. The holy convocation refers to the appeal to heaven reset 2020 being held in Middletown, Ohio on October 8th through the 10th. The number 222 refers to Isaiah 22, verse 22, and the keys, which is the key to lock and to, and to unlock, and also Dutch Sheets Life Scripture. And here's Isaiah 22, 22, if you're not familiar with it. Then I will set a key of the house of David on his shoulder. When he opens, no one will shut, and when he shuts, no one will open. Here's the decree tonight. Catch hold of this decree tonight. Amen. We decree that the ecclesia, the praying church, and Donald John the beloved Trump partner together. Heaven, heaven's will shall be done for our nation. And the November 2020 election, we declare that every assembly for prayer that has taken place and will take place will become a Kairos time for the November election. And we declare that the keys of David will be used to lock evil agendas and unlock heaven's strategies for President Trump's re-election. Four more years of righteous turnaround. Hallelujah. And we declare that the answers from heaven will be given to everyone praying and interceding on the behalf of God's will for our nation. Let it be, Lord. Let it be. Thank you for the gift, Father, of mercy. Mercy. Mercy.
Tomorrow I fly out on a very special assignment, a very um, notable, important assignment for the Supreme Court for Amy Coney Barrett's uh, Senate hearing. Two years ago in August, my phone rang. My, it was on my birthday. And my wife and I were in Orlando, and um, we were still laying in bed, just catching some news. And um, the phone rang, and Dutch was calling. And I said to my wife, I said, honey, if he's asking me to come to Washington, I'm in. And I don't know what he's about to ask me, but I'm in. So I called Dutch back that day, and he said, Brian, he said, we have the opportunity. We've been called into an assignment for Brett Kavanaugh's Senate hearing and I believe that you're supposed to be there. I believe it's strategic. <clears throat> Never could have dreamed that I would be part of that Senate hearing. Never could have dreamed it. And some of you are going back even now and you're, you're watching the Kavanaugh Chronicles on Fox News. And people have been texting me all over, Brian, I'm seeing you there. They didn't know I was there and seeing me now. But tomorrow I fly out to be part of the Senate hearing um, only by the favor and the grace of God, I go as an ambassador of the kingdom of God. And I go as an ambassador here of victory. And I just thank you for your prayers. I thank you for your covering for me, for my wife, for my family, for our church, for this ministry. This is a big week, folks. We are going to see the cleansing and the purging of the Supreme Court of the United States of America. <laughs> millions of prayers, millions of prayers and intercession have gone up these last 60 some years for the things that have been released through the Supreme Court at that gate. And God is going to answer the prayers of his faithful ones. A gateway that has released such and spawned such evil on the culture of the United States of America. But we're coming into a time of an ultimate comeback. And a true God-given turnaround. And we, we are part of that remnant praying church that is kept burning in the midnight hour. We're coming into a new era of life. Roe v. Wade will be abolished in our lifetime. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Before I jump into this message and I... I'm going to modify this message tonight. I would encourage you to get this book, Bold as Lions. I know the author. The book's back there on the table. If you haven't gotten my second book, Bold as Lions, if you would like an in-depth, really, preview of this message, um, there's a chapter in here called Prevailing Church, Prevailing Church, and I go into great depth of uh, just really a snow cone's worth of an iceberg that I'm about to give you tonight. So make sure you get it, okay? I promise the snow cone will be good too. <laughs> so I'm in Matthew 16. Are you there? Matthew 16. 
And when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, he says, who do men say that I am? The son of man. And so they said, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, and some others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and he said, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Jesus answered and he said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that whatever you bind on the earth, it will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on the earth, it will be loosed in heaven. So powerful. There is a church that Jesus is actively building in the earth right now. It is far more superior than what we think as the church in the United States of America. That is just a campus that is just used a few days a week and has a nice coffee shop and has nice, nice lights or fog machines. What Jesus is building is the dream of his heart, the ecclesia of power. The ecclesia, write it down tonight, it is the embassy of heaven. You've heard me share this before, but write it again. The ecclesia is the embassy of heaven. Our mind has to be renewed to this, folks. It is where the embassy of heaven literally builds the throne of God. We literally build and create a seat of authority. you got to hear these words prophetically in the context of what we're talking about governmentally right now. Are you with me? All right, four people are with me. Are you with me? The embassy of heaven is the ones who actually build the throne of the Lord in a city or a region. They build a place. They they. They come together and they build a structure for the weightiness of the presence of God, the glory of the Lord. We're not a church. Victory, a church of his presence, is not just a place that we desire for you to come and just have some sweet family time and some good songs. We're after something far superior than that. And that is becoming an embassy of heaven where the throne and the power of the throne and the seat of authority can be loosed in this city and for this region and beyond. Why? Why? It is for the expanding and the reaching of the kingdom of God into every sphere of culture. The church that Jesus is building right now is an apostolic force. It is undefeatable. The church that he's building, he says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It is a church that is undefeatable. It is a church that is unshakable. It is a church that is incorruptible. It is a church that is triumphing and experiencing victory over all the works of the devil. 
We know that Jesus was manifested in the earth, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And the victorious church, the true church that Jesus is building, we are the ones that are manifesting in the earth to bring forth and manifest that victory and fullness over all the works of the devil in this generation and for generations to come. Are you with me tonight? Now, this question that Jesus gives them, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? What is, what is Jesus doing here? Jesus is seeking their level of revelation. He's looking for revelation. He's inspecting, right? He's probing. Here's the questions. Who, who do they say that I am? Well, they, they think you're John the Baptist. They think you're one of the prophets. They think you're Jeremiah. But who do you say that I am? Jesus is probing for their level of revelation. Why? Because it is only revelation that will actually establish authority. You can hear me say that we must become an embassy of heaven. And you can hear that and just think it and nod your head and go, amen, yeah, that sounds good. Until it becomes a revelation, a burning revelation in the core of your spirit. That's when revelation will give you authority for something to be settled and established upon. It's a revelation. Jesus says, flesh and blood, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. It's, it didn't come out of your natural mind. You're so blessed because my Father breathed this revelation into you. It became a living, breathing revelation in you where you were able to declare it and you were able to see it. Father opened your eyes. There's nothing that we can do. We're not smart enough. We're not cool enough. We're not cutting edge enough. No, it is nothing like that. It requires revelation for the kingdom of God to be established. That's why we can be in a region where churches are everywhere, yet sin and debauchery are everywhere. There's something wrong with that equation. There is a church that Jesus is building that he says the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. And there's a lot of the church, I don't like to say it, where the hordes of hell are prevailing against it. And something's wrong with that picture. It's quiet in here. Are you okay? Jesus hears Peter's response. And what happened was, is that Peter had a burst of spiritual clarity. That spiritual clarity transcended time. Man, I feel that in my bones. He was able to look at Jesus, and it wasn't just about that he was another skilled, wise rabbi. Or just another really good teacher. Suddenly, his eyes were open to what was there all along. That's what revelation is. It's not new to God. It's been in Him from eternity past to eternity future. But it became new to Peter where he could declare, I know who you are. Here's who you are. And this profound revelation is earth-shaking, earth-shattering. And it begins to lose something now in the ministry of Jesus 
that begins to become manifest. He says, I'm going to build the ecclesia, and that is that word church, ecclesia. And it means something far, far greater and different from what we know as church in the Americanized world. And the intentions of Jesus, he says, I'm going to give birth to this ecclesia and the gates of hell. They won't prevail against it. It is a defining moment for this revelation here. It is a turning point. It is actually a cornerstone moment to create a kingdom culture. Now, for the disciples, they understood. They understood that ecclesia were the people, they were assembly of people that would govern the affairs of a city, a state, or a nation as in a parliament or a congress. Now think about that. They understood it. How did they understood it? Because that's exactly what Rome did. Once Rome went in and they conquered a nation, then they would send in their ecclesia to go throughout all the spheres of society, throughout the government, throughout the education throughout family, throughout every cornerstone, the arts, media, all of that, and they would send in their ecclesia to train them and discipline them in the culture or the ways of Rome so that when Caesar would go and visit all of these different conquered nations, it would look and feel like he was walking back into Rome. Does that make sense? And so the ecclesia were those that they actually set precedent. They had authority to rule. The ecclesia had authority to rule as a parliament or a congress. Now, the disciples, they understood this. But for us listening tonight in these moments together, it is not enough that they knew it. It is that we must know it now in 2020. That there is a church that Jesus is building in this hour, and it is an ecclesia who will actually move in kingdom authority and kingdom power by revelation, who will have the ability to establish the kingdom rule and power in the earth. Oh, my. And this changes everything. This changes everything. The ecclesia was this. They were the elders. They were the social watchmen who governed the affairs of what a culture would permit or would not permit in their own towns or within their own villages. And I want to give you just a few things before I wrap up tonight. They would meet at the gates. And I want to talk to you about gates for the next few moments. And then I'm going to close. They would meet at the gates. Who were the ecclesia? They were the legislative company of people, of elders. They were a company of elders within cities and regions that would meet in the city gates to say, we are going to allow this or permit this in our culture, or we're going to forbid this in our culture and never allow it. Remember the words of Jesus. He says, if you bind it on earth, it will be bound in heaven. And if you loose it in the earth, it'll be loosed in heaven, right? Binding and loosing, they are legal terms. They are legislative governmental terms. Remember that. 
So it was the ecclesia who would set the rulership to say, we're not going to allow this in our village. We're not going to allow this to be going on in our culture. It would be like us as an ecclesia stepping into the realms of the spirit through intercession and prayer and declaring we're not going to allow any more of these smut shops in our city, in our region. We're not going to tolerate these strip clubs and all of these smut shops destroying lives and families and allowing pornography to destroy the families of our region. What is that? It's us legislating the will of God and stepping into that place and decreeing it and declaring it and decreeing it and declaring it until the will of God is revealed and done. And the ecclesia step into a place, they say, we will either permit this or we will forbid this. There are times when I'm up in the middle of the night and will go out in this city driving at one in the morning and begin to walk this city and I will stand out in front of Planned Parenthood and I will speak to it and I will tell it, you are forbidden in this city. No more death, no more slain of these innocent children. I'm talking about the ecclesia. I'm talking about moving in authority. We are moving in a day, folks, where the justice of God is going to be revealed and manifest to a church who knows their authority and power, and they will move in dominion, and we will be loosed into every sphere of society to climb the mountains and plant the flag of Emmanuel at the top and say, our God reigns. They'd meet at the gates. They'd meet at the gates. Write this down. Without God, we cannot. But without us, God will not. Without God, we cannot. But without us, God will not. St. Augustine said those words. See, you have to understand, it is a divine partnership. The will of God is actually a divine partnership. Without God, we cannot. But without us, God will not. When you understand, listen, when you, when you understand that we cannot just go on being lazy Christians and thinking foolishly and lazy, acting like God's will will always be done because he's sovereign. We don't have to vote. We don't have to be involved in this. We don't have to go because God is sovereign. That is such foolishness. It is foolish to say God is in control. Because he's not. Now don't walk out of church yet. Hear the good news. God was, okay, I have to say this. God was never even control, in control in the heavenly realms where his throne was. Did you know that when it was dis when when Lucifer when iniquity was discovered and found in Lucifer the one who said I will I will be like the most high I will be worshiped I will make myself as the most high I will be worshiped 
When that iniquity was found in him, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. That's a pretty fast war. But you know that how many of the angels fell with him? Right. So what was God doing? Was God in control or was God in charge? He was in charge. But he wasn't in control. He wasn't controlling that situation. And it's just like that in the earth. In the earth realm, God has given the earth over to the sons of men. Psalm 24 says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But then in Psalm 115, verse 16, he says that he has given the earth over to the dominion of the sons of men, meaning that God has set you in control for where you're given authority and dominion to rule over the enemy. And the reason that the earth does not look like heaven is because God is not in control. Because if God was in control, the earth would look like heaven. But God is in charge. You know, I'm not in control of my children. I'm not in control of my wife. I'm not in control of the church. Do you know that stuff happens in our culture, our family culture, that when our kids broke the rules, that what happened? I, if I was in control, it never would have happened, right? But that's not what happens. They break the rules. Mom brings them to me. And because I'm in charge, <laughs> they're, they're 20 and 19 just sitting there going, yeah, that was then. <laughs> Remember, Bryn sets me down. <laughs> what happens when someone breaks the rules of the family culture, they're brought to me. Why? I'm not in control. I'm in charge. And I'm supposed to bring discipline. Right? We all understand this as fathers and mothers. So we can't go on lazily saying that God's just going to have everything that he wants. Do you know he's not getting everything that he wants right now? Because we have believed so foolishly. And we have been pathetically lazy. That is why our nation is where our nation is. That's why we have tens of millions of Christians who they don't even care if we vote or not. Because God's in control. God's going to get his way. God's going to get what he wants. Really? 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 That's why we're engaged in this level of warfare to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? They met at the gates. Let's talk about it for a moment. Jesus said the gates of hell, they will not prevail against his church. The gates is where, the gates are where the alert watchmen and gatekeepers, they have to watch over these primary areas. How many of you know you have some primary gates in your life? They're your eyes, they're your ears, they're your mouth, they're your heart. How many of you know that? We've talked about that. You're responsible for the gateway of your eyes. What you allow in front of your eyes and what you do not. What you forbid to be in your eyes. What you allow to be in your ears. What you forbid to be in your ears. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
What you allow to be in your heart, what you forbid to be in you. You forbid unforgiveness. You forbid bitterness and envy and strife. Are you hearing me? How do you do that? By being an alert watchman and gatekeeper over your own spirit and your own life. Fathers are the gatekeepers of their homes as leaders. Leadership, leaders are the gatekeepers for cities and regions. Now, so you got to hear this with spiritual ears, not with political ears. Leaders are the ones that are the gatekeepers for entire cities and regions. You have to take ownership of that because what if God is actually calling the church to be the gatekeepers and the leaders to rescue the destiny of entire region. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? We've been in such a little, looking through a straw, little mindset about coming to church when all the while Jesus died and rose and was ascended and seats at the right hand of the Father to give us authority and power and rule with dominion over all the works of the darkness. And yet we've been satisfied with just coming to church. He's calling us to another realm of understanding where revelation will establish authority. And that's what we're moving into in this hour. Revelation that's going to establish the authority of God. And it's going to come in our nation too. We are going to witness a sweeping move of justice. You know why? Because the Father put it deep in our spirit. And we've been standing in the earth realm in agreement with him and declaring it back to him. It's called intercession. What the Father's saying in heaven, I'm saying down in this earth realm. What the Father's saying in heaven, I'm saying down here in the earth realm. And when it meets agreement, he says, I'm going to establish. I'm going to establish my throne. I'm going to establish my seat of authority and my power upon it, and it's going to change things. That's how it works. That's how it works. That's how it's going to happen. Justice and righteousness are coming to the United States of America. I'm going to say it again. Our streets are about to be cleaned. I kept, I kept hearing it up in Middletown as we were in worship, son, behold me cleaning the streets of America and just step into agreement with me. All this vile anarchy and lawlessness and insanity and murder, all this stuff that has been so grieving to our heart and our spirit, I'm telling you, there's coming a divine cleansing. The launderer's soap is going to come and scrub the cities and the highways and the inner cities of the United States of America. Glory to God. Gates are important. We were just flying out, and I was thinking about gates when we were walking through there and thinking about releasing this message tonight. How many of you know you got to get to the right gate? That's important. <laughs> Anyway, enough said. So anyway, gates are what? Write it down. Gates are a place of transition. I'm not going to go much further tonight. Gates are a place of transition, and they transition us into something or out of something. A gateway will either transition you into something, or a gateway will transition you out of something. Are you hearing it? A gate is both an exit and an entry. 
When I stand at the gate, I'm watching everybody pour off that plane, and what are they doing? They're doing entry, and I'm about ready to do exit. It's a gateway. You see it? You see the picture? It's simple. But in biblical times, why this is so vitally important, it's prophetic for us. The elders would go to the edge of the city walls and they would sit at the gates. And I think it's notable that you and I hold this promise tonight. And it's found in Genesis 22. And I want you to see it with your eyes. Genesis 22 and verse 17. Look it up. There is a promise of dominion over the enemy's gates that were declared from the beginning over God's covenant people. I'm going to say that again. There was a promise of dominion over the enemy's gates that was declared from the beginning over God's covenant people, Israel. And God gave this promise to Abraham, Genesis 22:17. He said, "Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and your seed shall possess the gate of your enemies. Ooh. I will greatly bless you and your seed. How many of you know that we're sons of Abraham? Your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. Galatians 3.29 Shouts this promise to us as well. It says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Glory to God. This righteous ecclesia are the ones who have to learn how to cooperate and to participate with the will of God. That we have to speak it. Declare it, pray it, say it continuously. Folks, this week, when you are watching Amy Coney Barrett in that Senate hearing for the Supreme Court seat, you need to be praying over her, speaking over her, declaring she shall sit in her seat of authority that God has rightfully ordained to her from the foundation of the earth. You have to speak it. Come on. Come on. You got to speak it. You got to say it. You got to declare it. We have to be in agreement. We've got to be in concert as the ecclesia saying, we are permitting this. It doesn't matter what all the yahoos have to say about it. And they want to go bananas. Let them have their bananas. We're going to have the will of God manifested in the United States of America. We are moving towards a time of an epic brand new era. The era of life. The era of life. Do you know that William Wilberforce, I'm going to close with this. William Wilberforce stood at the, stood at the gate of parliament in England for 40 years and stood and said it again and again and again, we must abolish slavery here in England. It is a grotesque sin unto God Almighty. He stood where? At the gate of parliament, decreeing it over and over and over again. 40 years, the prime of his life. Leading up to legislation that would break and destroy that 
filthy bondage of slavery. Amazingly, in stark contrast, it would cost the United States of America over 600,000 sons to, to, to set us free from slavery in the Civil War underneath Abraham Lincoln before he would sign the, the uh, Emancipation Proclamation. Think of that. Think of that. Now, why am I saying that? Because there's a difference between standing in this level of the gate of parliament to rescue lives rather than the ground warfare that America had to go through because we avoided the warnings. Are you catching what I'm saying? God's going to bring America to an ultimate comeback and a divine turnaround. He will have the United States. He will, God will have this nation. He will not relent and America will be saved. There are more battles ahead, but battles to win. Victories we must win. But it requires the ecclesia moving in authority and power, knowing that we have, we have the keys to the kingdom. And it's time we start using them. It's time we start taking our keys and declaring the will and the word of the Lord. We will forbid this and we will permit this. We will forbid this and we will bless this. Instead of just blindly watching the news and letting all the God-haters and the God-mockers tell us, no, this is how it's going to be and we're going to steamroll you. No, they're not. No, they're not. And I heard the Lord say, son, remember, the future doesn't belong to the God-mockers. The future doesn't belong to the God-haters. The future belongs to the righteous and God's righteous are bold as lions. This is our hour. This is our hour. This is our hour. This is our watch. This is our watch. Let it be said that on our watch we stood our ground as the ecclesia and said, no, 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 no. When we teetered and tottered on the brink of epic war that we stood and said, oh, no, God's will shall prevail over America and America shall be saved. Hallelujah. I want you to stand to your feet tonight. Cody or Stephen, come. Glory. I want you to take the hand if you're comfortable. If you're social distancing tonight, that's fine. But if you're comfortable, take the hand of somebody next to you. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray in the spirit. And then we're going to pray with our understanding. We're going to pray for this week. For God's will to be made manifest. It is already settled in heaven. It has to be settled in the earth. Hallelujah. It has to be settled in the earth. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your voices with me. Lift your voices. Lift your voices. 
Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come, Father. Lord, we speak to the to the Supreme Court this night and we declare God that your fire will go forth and cleanse and purge that gate that that will no longer be a gateway of the enemy Lord we take out the keys tonight of the kingdom of God the key of David and we declare once again we shut and lock the door to the devil the enemy of America and we open the gate to the king of glory we open the gate to the king of glory and we forbid the enemy God We bind him and we forbid him to be able to loose his evil into this nation for future generations. And God, we are calling and confessing and we believe, God, that abortion will be abolished. Abortion will be abolished. That Roe v. Wade will be overturned and we will not relent We will not lose faith. We will not lose hope. The hour draws nigh. The hour is coming. And the hour now is, as Jesus said. Oh, God, it is here. It is upon us. Lord, your people have cried out for decades and decades and decades. God, you have been so long-suffering. You have been patient. You have been forbearing. You have relented in judgment, God. You have averted judgment time and again, God, because we have stood before you and said, God, have mercy. God, have mercy. Let your blood forgive our sins and cleanse us of all iniquities, oh God. And Lord, you are answering even now. So we just draw a bloodline right now around Amy Barrett and her husband and her children. Come on, pray it. Just pray over her right now and bless her. Bless her right now as one. Every one of you, just bless her as one. Bless her husband. Bless her marriage. Bless her children. Bless her. Oh, clarity of mind. Clarity of speech. Boldness and strength and power in the Holy Spirit. And a wisdom that is not of this world, God. A wisdom that is not of this world crowning her. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Your will be done, God. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Lord, you are calling your ecclesia to stand in their place of authority for the United States of America and the nations. Lord, the nations are yours. And America is yours. You're the Lord of the nations. You're the shepherd of the nations, Lord, and you shall have your harvest. You said, ask of me, and I shall give you the nations as an inheritance. And, Lord, you asked your father, Adonai, you asked your father, Jehovah, for the nations of the earth. And, Lord, we decree America is yours, and you shall have this land. You shall have this people. You shall have this generation. 
Hallelujah. You shall have this generation. Oh God. Oh God. Lord, may your fear and the honor of your name prevail over all the works of the darkness in Washington, D.C. Your holy fear. And God, may we tremble again as a nation as you call us back to your heart. May we confess and repent of our sins and our iniquities and come home to you, Father. Father, I thank you that the prevailing praying church is so energized in this hour by your spirit. And Lord, we just join in concert right now with the millions of intercessors and believers throughout this country that are praying for this divine moment. Let's say this together tonight. Father God, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in America just as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a mighty shout of praise tonight. Decree this tonight. We are coming into the new era of life. We are coming into the new era of life. We lock the doors to the spirit of death prevailing over this generation. And we open the new era to life now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Father, for every believer here, for every brand new friend that walked into this building tonight, we pray, God, your richest choices, blessings upon every life tonight, God, for this week. May this be a supernatural week of breakthroughs and promises manifesting. Oh, God. Lord, we thank you that you are going and you are going before every one of these men of God and women of God. And you are, you are setting up the divine connections. You are intersecting the divine collision of destiny being released. God, you are setting up opportunities for us to declare your word and declare your name and declare our faith with boldness and with wisdom. Lord, we thank you this will be a, a week of healing, a week of miracles, a week of salvation, a week of breakthrough everywhere that we go. You are the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness. God, you go before us. You are the way maker. You go before every one of these sons and daughters this week. And you will lose the kingdom. 
I bless every one of you as the ambassadors of the kingdom of God. You stand in the embassy of heaven this night, and I bless you to go forth and share good news and the glory of our King. In Jesus' name, I bless you. Amen and amen. Good night, everybody. We love you. Make sure you love on each other tonight. Bless you. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com or download the Victory FLA app.